Hi, I'm Russ Camarda, an independent filmmaker and actor in New York, and in between the chances I get to do my creative projects, I love to sit down and talk with other artists to see how it is they do what they do, how they take art and use their craft to reveal truth to an audience. So in this series of conversations, you'll meet some people you may recognize, some people you won't recognize, but they're all independent artists and we'll get in-depth in a long-form conversation to see how it is they do what they do. Welcome to Art Craft Truth. I'm on Art Craft Truth writer, director, filmmaker, Elias Plagianos. Elias and I came up in the independent film world pretty much the same time. And over the last several years, his films and television projects have won a tremendous amount of awards in festivals all over the country. He's got a lot of things on the burner, and it's fun to talk to an old friend about the craft of filmmaking and see what he's up to. Director, writer, filmmaker, Elias Plagianos. This is awesome, dude. Thanks for doing this. this dude, I'm so excited. I feel like We've known each other for so long and we've never had a chance to sit down and have a drink and just chat about the insanity of our world. So this is really exciting. That's right. What's cool is we kind of came up in the indie film world at the same time doing in the same places doing the same things so yeah yeah and we kind of crisscrossed and and used a lot of the same people and did all kinds of things but we never actually sat down and like you said just uh shot the shit about the, the business and the art and stuff and what's cool is right. you you uh you approach me and we're because you got a couple of cool things coming out right off the bat so i, I we'll start right off with that and then we'll kind of go into awesome. your career and and we'll go into like the art and craft of filmmaking and stuff but i definitely want to get right to the the fun stuff that's coming up because we'll put this out right before it comes out so you can share it and stuff awesome awesome so uh Great. so right off the bat a couple of fun projects you got you're working on distemper and uh and hudson falls sure so um these last couple of years i've been focusing on um independent tv which is a little bit different than films um and uh the first project we did was sponsored by the alfred p sloan foundation and their kind of mission is is to um uh create projects that shed light on science and scientists and and like real great stories about it and they've done some tremendous films and distemper is the first or their first um movement into independent television um and um it's this really fascinating story about this um dr louise pierce who went to the congo to uh cure sleeping sickness which was a pandemic and and it really uh could have ravaged the world the way that covid 19 is now i've come to realize predators come in many different shapes and sizes Some are men, consuming all that comes before them. Some are so small they live within a tiny setsy fly to attack their victims. All I'm asking is a little help from the wealthiest country in the world. Mr. Johnson, I, I, I've been very patient with you. Maybe after reading this, you'll have a change of heart. And uh, that is playing at the Queen's uh, Drive-In, um, April 30th on Friday, uh, in front of the film uh, Gravity, starring um, George Clooney and Sandra Bullock, which cool. is like super exciting for us. Um, and the next project I got coming out that's going to premiere this summer is called um, Hudson Falls. And that's just like a private eye show uh, starring Richard Kind, Jessica Hecht, uh, William Sadler, Chikeo Konko, Tara Westwood. Just like uh, we were able to get this really amazing group of actors um, because it was shot the first week 
that uh, production was allowed to occur again in New York. And uh, none of them were working. So that's that's the only way I could ever possibly get all these amazing actors. Uh, and we did it in a really crazy way. Um, something I've been trying to, to do since we first met, which is is make a film with no crew, where it was just me, my buddy who's a DP, a sound guy, and a bunch of friends and amazing actors. Right. Um, and I'd love to like, you know, chat more about that process. Absolutely. But um, yeah, th that one is, you know, coming out soon. Um, and you could visit HudsonFalls.tv for a six minute preview. And um, Distemper, again, is um, like I'm you know, playing at the Queens Drive in April 3rd. Yeah. All right. So cool, man. Uh, awesome. Deep breath. <laughs> Got the, uh, got, got the plug out because I wanted to get that stuff out right off the bat because I'm going to put this out so that we can get that ahead of it. Uh, so again, Thanks. April 30th, which is the Queen's uh, Festival, that's Distemper. And Distemper is a short piece, right? It's, it's a 22-minute it's a, it's a TV pilot. TV pilot, right. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. And we'll talk a little bit about that as we go on, but that looks great. I mean, some of those locations. Oh, th I mean, thanks, the, yeah. The cinematography is terrific on it, and the locations are great on that thing. Um, yeah, we, we uh, had uh, an impossible task where we uh they gave us twenty five thousand dollars to as a grant um and um the idea was whatever script they threw my way i would have to produce and i i did not think of a bajillion years that i would have to do a 1918 period piece so in the amazon or, you know where in the in, in the, the congo, congo which congo. is just uh northern new york near new jersey just wow. grasslands so oh, yeah. it, looks, it looks great it looks awesome and then uh, uh, hudson falls that's is that's a it's a pilot kind of a pitch or is it on amazon or is it is it is the idea to to get more of those shows done or what's the what the plan for hudson falls yeah, so so we're trying to approach this like there's no there's no real gateway for independent TV to move forward. So we've been trying a bunch of different things. This latest attempt is um, to get some great actors, and and we're going to do a few months of the circuit just to you know see how it plays, gain a fan base, and then it's going to go right onto um, Amazon. Um, and then we're hoping that word of mouth they'll they'll want more of them. But now it's just one show. Okay, so just so just yeah. sort of a, a just a standalone pilot that'll eventually go to Amazon, and hopefully it, it gets a little following, and they somebody puts some money behind you, and you get, you get, <laughs> yeah, yeah. get a series, which, which is so easy as oh, we yeah. know, right? Okay. No problem, <laughs> no problem. Well, I'll tell you, that's a as you said, great cast, great actors, Richard Kind and and Bill Sadler, and all of that. I mean, that's I saw a little bit of that too, and just for the fact, and we'll talk about how you did it, but the limited amount of crew it looks and sounds great so i mean uh, I, I think that thanks man if the if the subject matter is popular enough it'll catch on all right so we got the uh, we got the stuff coming out immediately so <laughs> right. anybody tuning in right at the top of the show can see that and uh, and they can go to those things um uh really the end of this month and then on into this summer so let's get back to who you are bro i mean uh oh so, man so like I said, we we started doing independent films probably around the same time, and we're in a lot of the same festivals with different projects we worked on over the years. So for you, what was it? I mean, were you did you start off um, wanting to be a filmmaker? Were you were you a writer? Were you an actor? Like as a kid, what were your? Is this where you wanted to head eventually, or what? 
Yeah, I mean, um, you know, there was this thing in, in uh, I did um, high school plays and, and in it, it said, um, you know, you're watching me on stage now, but one day I, I really want to be behind uh, the camera. Um, uh, so it's been something I've been wanting to do my whole life. Um, I mean, I guess it started like we all start off where some family member takes us to the movies a lot, right? And that kind of becomes our church and, and we, we learn about who we are and who we want to be and, and we learn about the problems of other people and, and how we could relate. And uh, it was always just a really special thing to me. And I, I grew up in the suburbs in, you know, New York and that world just seemed so far away. Um, like it, it was impossible to ever do it, but I got really lucky in high school. I started doing theater and then also my high school had a TV studio, oh, which was wow. like nice. a big deal, That's right? Really like, you know, VHS, you know, reel to reel. And, and, um, you know, there we did like news broadcasts and then I had my own public access show. Cool. So yeah, yeah. Which I mean now is kind of like YouTube, but back then it was, it was really stressful because you had to, you know, you're like 14, 15 and you had to have a show 22 minutes every week and you had to write and star in it. And so, um, it was, it was a good challenge. What's fascinating is, uh, another f filmmaker friend of mine, who's a, who's a, was my DP on a couple of films has a very similar story. Sean King. I don't know if you know, Sean, uh, I've heard the, the name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he, same thing, same exact thing. T AV, you know, thing in high school and then uh, lucky enough to do public access kind of stuff and, and kind of took that road into filmmaking. And a lot of us in, in this area, that was, you know, that was kind of the road. What was the, what were the, you know, you said you, you movies were the church. What were the movies you were watching? What was the stuff you grew up with as a kid? So, I mean, super mainstream things. I mean, like, you know, uh, Indiana Jones and Star Wars, but you know, uh, everybody makes fun of me because I, I went to, um, Greece a lot as a kid every summer I'd spend like three months there so I had this really odd European influence also like I liked Flash Gordon more than Star Wars right like that you know thing um, but I mean like you know all the movies we all love and, and it wasn't really until later on in life that um, you know I guess about the time where we started making movies, the the previous crew was like uh, Kevin Smith and Robert Rodriguez and Steven Soderbergh and the the emergence of Sundance. Right. Um, so they're the ones who really made me feel, and I'm not sure you too. Whereas like uh, you could just get a group of friends, and if you're smart enough and have a good enough story and good enough actors, you can make something. And and that's right. you know. And was the were the things that that you were watching as a kid and then later on with those with those pioneering sort of Sundance independence filmmakers was was there a style that was influencing you were there things that you kind of hooked onto that seemed like resonated with you that you eventually kind of did or anything like that yeah uh, so um you know it's an interesting question because later on in life I realized it but earlier on I was more influenced by graphic novels and you know oh, okay. comic books so so my my framing was was very specific and the lighting was highly stylized right. and but now i definitely use more the soderberg way of things where you know natural lighting and you just let you, your actors play because to me now as an adult that feels more natural and real and and i think you could get much better performances so i i, I think it took me a long time to get to where my heroes were at a lot sooner. So. Well, it's interesting because the first, I think the thing that 
I remember being introduced to you first was Crimson Mask, right? That was the right. that was the first indie kind of thing with Bobby Clohessy and and that yeah. was like a highly stylized kind of graphic novel looking thing now that I think yeah. about it, right? You know, yeah. uh, and so was that your first like feature foray kind of deal or what? And had you done stuff yeah. before then or I did uh, a couple of documentaries, a lot of short films that were terrible. And then um, I did one short film. Oh, so I just to go back a bit, um, I was really one of the first people to avoid film and just go into the digital, digital world. Um, and uh, I made this action movie that was just like a cheap knockoff of these like John Woo things um, back before YouTube. And we were the highest rated web video but that's only because there were like eight of us right like it wasn't <laughs> great um so um yeah but uh crimson mask was my first feature film and uh i was like 28 maybe and um i saw myself never making a movie like you know because it was just like if i don't do it now i'm not gonna do it ever so I did that stupid thing where, you know, you get your credit cards and your friends and everything and you just go all in. Yeah. And it, it really was, it was like four different movies that I always wanted to tell. And I knew I, I only had one chance. So it became, right. I mean, you will watch it now. It's, it's a mess, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. And you know, it was, it made that whole festival circuit. I forget which ones we were doing at the time. I don't know if it was video guys or. Uh, yes, I, I specifically that that to me, you guys were like the cool big brothers, like, you know, and I was like just kind of chasing after you, you guys because you were w winning everything. We, as you were leaving the circuit, I was just getting in right. and, and you guys just had um, such great stories and input and we were just so honest with one another. It was the most wonderful, refreshing thing because we, we were, you know, when we were doing it, the festival circuit, it, it, it mattered more, I guess, than it does now because yeah. you can make a sale and stuff. Sure. And you guys got a distributor, I remember, like pretty early yeah, on. Yeah, well, that was, uh, I think the video guys was, that was Dan Brennan, my old buddy Dan Brennan's yes. uh, piece, uh, which was a, a, a romantic comedy and stuff. And yeah, he got, he got a distributor out of one of those, I think the Hollywood one we went to. We went to one in L.A. But uh yeah, I mean, that was the good thing about that is, is we were all modest. I mean, we all knew exactly <laughs> where we were on the ladder. Yeah, yeah. So nobody was like, you know, that's why it was so easy to just be like, look, dude, we just put this together. We did the best yeah. we could. And uh, yeah, no, that was a great time. And it was such a fun. The good thing about those the festival circuit is you know, when you're doing that stuff with your credit card and your buddies and you're putting, you're putting everything you have into it and you're just enjoying it you want it to be seen and it's, yeah, it's the one, 100%. it's the one place where you're going to get an audience. And so those were always exciting to just get in something, have an audience, watch it. And whether they, whether it made it or didn't make it, you know, you, you could at least enjoy the fact that it got seen. So I think we all shared that same sentiment of let's get it up there and get yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, on a, on a big screen, man, like you will never get your film on a big screen now. I mean, it's, it's no. so hard. And I mean, you know, gr growing up and like that, that's all I ever wanted. All I ever wanted was to do a feature film, have it in a theater and have it in Blockbuster because I worked there over summers and the asshole manager was like, you're never going to be a filmmaker. And then actually, this is a horrible story, but I'll, I'll sh sh share it. Um, I, uh, the jerk 
manager at Blockbuster who told me I'd never be a f- filmmaker. When this got into Blockbuster, <laughs> the first thing I did was I'm going to go back there and I'm going to put this movie in, you know, this guy's face. And I went there, man. It was so funny because he didn't remember me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and, you know, he was kind of sad and run down. And I was like, God, I should just like, I should just be so happy and excited. And I'm doing this weird vengeful thing, like uh, for no reason. So well, Yeah, no, you, you, you don't even realize the things that are important until they're, until they're half past you most of the time. So, yeah. so that first one, Crimson Mask, I mean, you're a kid. How did you manage to get Bobby at the time? Because Bobby Klesi was, you know, he was he'd been a working actor for you know twenty five years at that point, you know, and uh, and that was a great get for you. Yeah, well, I mean, as you know, he's really into sexual favors, so I had to do some <laughs> really graphic, disgusting things. Hey, what have no. you got to do? <laughs> what have you got to do? Bobby's a strange guy. Um, <laughs> so I, I actually, you know, again, I've been so lucky, like so unbelievably lucky. He, he just had like a little bit of like, um, like a dry, dry spell, sort of, where it was like in between projects for like a year or two. Um, my buddy did a, a reading with him and I just went there and I saw him and I was just like, wow, this guy's the most amazing actor. I didn't, I didn't know him from Oz. I, right, you know, right. um, and then we did a little short film, uh, a zombie comedy movie. And we had so much fun that I wrote this role f- for him. Okay. Um, and I think he was just so excited by that and, and how much I respected him and I listened to him and I learned from him that he, you know, jumped on. So. That's great. And he became a, a real good friend of yours. I mean, you guys, uh, eventually when I, closest had, buddy, yeah, when, I, when I went out, when I had him on the podcast, he was like, yeah, you know, I was going to do the SAG awards, but I, you know, I didn't have anybody to go with. So Elias and I went out to, you know, did the SAG yeah. I mean, like, yeah, he's become one of my closest friends. I, I just saw him last week. Um, we had traveled so much for the Crimson Mask, like at all these, you know, festivals in the middle of nowhere, you know, um, you know, when you're young, you can, uh, but, um, that, uh, we, we had a lot of miles. So when he got into the SAG Awards, I was like, bro, I got all these miles. We could do flights, hotels. He's like, really? I'm like, absolutely. And we had the best weekend I think ever. That's awesome. That's what he said. He, he, He said it was just great. He was like, my traveling buddy, my buddy Elias, and I went, that was great. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, um, all right. So let's talk about uh, the, the, the craft of filmmaking as, as it stands. Like you said, you got in after that arc bended when it became you know digital um which we all which i did too we all did i and i came from kind of a different road i came from the theater and i came sort of late i was like uh probably 30 probably 32 or something when i started really Mm -hmm. concentrating on the film as opposed to the theater stuff so it was really it was already digital by then when you're looking at it and you're a writer as well right you've written pretty much all of these pieces yeah yeah so writer director um what is what's the what's the process for you when you're looking to start a project like aside from these sort of gun for hire ones you just did where they kind of gave you a a premise that you had to kind of write to when you're looking to do your own stuff is there are there is it is it um are, is it you know months of you know typing away at the at your script and like how do you set up starting a project as a as a writer director? Yeah, I mean it's it's the hardest thing ever, and uh, I think 
at first, I'm like, I'm not the greatest writer um, and I don't enjoy writing scripts, but what I do enjoy is, is making things. And I think that it first actually comes from, uh, I get inspired by a location I have access to. I get inspired by an actor I meet and their voice. It's, it's much more like practical because I realize that if, if you write a script just from your imagination, the 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 chances you get to make that are are so small so um a good example of that is i had this guy this friend who i met who wanted to open up a movie studio in cuba um and he said hey like you know uh we just want to produce anything so if if you have a story you know like you know fly down we'll put you up i'll like you'll pay for the, the the movie so i wrote a whole you know thing set in cuba um so that's how i get inspired by is um with my li limitations like what do i have and how can i make this into an enjoyable story love, which is a weird way to come about you it. know it's actually uh, it's i love that i mean it's it's uh it's so practical because ultimately you know we we can have a, a drawer full of scripts <laughs> you, know, you, you want to make the fucking thing at some point so exactly so yeah. if you're you know if you're writing from a place of all right what location can i get what would be the premise of of this box that i'm in that's a great i think that's awesome because you're going to have a stack of work where the where the other guy is going to have you know two that he did in, in 12 years you know <laughs> right, right awesome so so with that in mind um what are some of the th like what what's what are some of the th examples of the like the Cuba one was one Crimson Mask you wrote kind of for Bobby Bobby class that character at least for him right but there was a couple of different stories what are some of the right. other spots where you've kind of done that where you've said all right this is the spot I'm in let me try and write around this right um so uh, I did a, a TV pilot short film with uh, w William Sadler and I had a buddy who had an an art gallery. So, so, and it's this beautiful place on 23rd street and 10th. Uh, and then all of a sudden I just started writing and I was like, well, what characters would exist here? Uh, who do I want to work with? And then it, it became this thing about it's, um, you know, it was a comedy about this photographer who, you know, gets wrapped up in the art world. Um, and, uh, you know the the more that also had Linda Hamilton in it, who oh, um right. yeah, who um I've wanted to work with forever, and I wrote that script in that way, and um, a buddy of mine was like, oh, I just worked with Linda, she wants to do a comedy, and he's like, I gave her your script, I was like, there's no way we're gonna get Linda Hamilton and you know our thing. And she just really dug the character, and it was funny. She always wanted to do comedy. Oh, and that's another thing. If you ever want to work with an actor, see what they've done and then write something completely different, like, you know, for them and they'll jump at it. Um, um, and um, also for a long time, I, I owned a bunch of warehouses in Brooklyn. So we used this this block and Red Hook as our kind of like Hollywood backlot where right. we'd have holding here and we'd make the sets here and we'd use my buddy's home there. That's, um, That's awesome. Yeah, so that that's the only way I know how to make movies because I've I tried the other way. After Crimson Mask, I spent five years in the Hollywood system, and I was attached to some really big projects. Like there was one with Harvey Keitel, Michael Madsen. It was like the 15th anniversary of Reservoir Dogs. It was a thing called City of Lies. 
Um, and then it was all based upon foreign sales. Right. And, you know, Madsen, I love him. He's a great, kooky, weird guy, but he, he did a couple of stinkers. And, <laughs> you, you know, the, his foreign s sales value just went down and the whole project goes away. And then you try and find another producer. And then it's five years of your life where right. no one knows how much work was put into it. Um, and so, you don't wind up making anything. So let's talk about that particular section there. What was that? Whole, what was that whole trajectory about that Hollywood system thing? What were you doing? Were you writing spec kind of things for, like, how, explain to the to the crowd out there how that works to the layman, how what that's about? Yeah, sure. So um, after Crimson Mask, like once you have a movie that appears to be successful, <laughs> like everyone kind of wants to you know see if you could do more. And on the festival circuit, I met a lot of producers and and writers, and um, I got this script. Um, you know, I, I forgot what the original name was, but it was uh, a crime movie set in Hartford, and we changed it to a crime movie set in Brooklyn. And then um, a bunch of producers you know you you kind of send it out and a bunch of producers read it and then they start to figure out which actors should fit what role to get a certain budget gotcha and um there's there's a foreign sales value so i remember back then uh, a name that was very popular was woody harrelson it's like if you could get woody you could get th three million from blah 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 blah, blah. Gotcha. um so a lot of that world is just finding the right actors and actually now still it's just finding an actor that could do the foreign sale so that you could produce your film and make the sale. Um, and then uh, I also attached myself to uh, Chuck Norris remakes because wow. uh, in Crimson Mass, we had all these kind of crazy right. sword, sword fights, fights and stuff. Yeah. And we made it for so cheap. Uh, so I met up with this producer, um, J Jason Riley from uh, Canada. His company now changed names, but um, and we've been developing these Chuck Norris movies, man, for ten years. Wow! And every two years, there's another hot actor that should be like it was like Gina Carano for a hot yeah. second. It was all these people, um, and again, like it's all based upon who the new Chuck Norris is. And all these projects, you do get money, which is nice. But your your projects never get made, and that's not why I think we got involved in this. It's to make things. Absolutely. So, so you're so you're basically you're working, but your work is writing and sort of selling, right? That's basically right. That's, <laughs> that's all you're doing. You're just trying to get the right thing attached. And did you have coming off of Crimson Mask? Are you doing this sort of all alone, or do you have some kind of representation? How how are all these contacts, and how do you get into that system where you can you're at least getting money for something you're not making? <laughs> yeah so <laughs> right. so so um after crimson mask uh, my buddy craig blair um who you might have met uh we decided to split up uh he went to L los angeles and i stayed here and he was the kind of representation out there um and he did all the schmoozing and uh, like i can never do that i mean it just drives me absolutely crazy um yeah i mean like you know the endless amounts of sitting down in meetings and what you'll find is that people love to talk about movies and they don't like to actually make them that's and without question that's what it's all about right there 
and and why and there's so many scam artists have you read this article about this cat who did this uh pyramid scheme this like actor you know i i just i just heard about somebody was just telling me about that no i didn't i didn't dive into it but yeah i just heard about it yeah so so i would say that 90 percent of our meetings were with guys like that <laughs> right. where like you knew it was criminal like a hundred percent like how they were getting money right. it was either a pyramid scheme or there was guy if you look him up his name is carl pratt he uh, stole money from his wife <laughs> and I mean to, to do these movies and that he was going to produce. So we got involved with every loser in Hollywood for sure. Cause I mean, we were kind of, you know, losers too. So, yeah, absolutely. um, uh, and they will take advantage of whatever aspect they can. And they just knew that, uh, we had access to a couple of name actors because of our work. So, right, right. you know, that was their crazy. Thing. So at what point do you finally get back to making something after, and when you're in this, right? When you're like, you know what? God damn it. I just want to make something. What's the, what's the thing that gets you out and gets you back on the set? Great question, man. Yeah. So it's, uh, it was the birth of my second kid. Uh, um, like, I, I was like, you know what, I want to make, like, I want to uh, make things and I, I want to be someone who he looks up to in like a specific way. And I remember uh, th this was shooting me nicely. I would have to rock him to, to uh, sleep every night because like he wouldn't sleep. And I didn't want to be on my phone. So I just, I was left with my thoughts. It's like you get thoughts about uh, movies in the shower, right? But it was just like that. And I just had this whole show just like, you know, play out. Wow. So, and then when it got made and it did really well, um, I got re-energized. And I was like, from now on, um, you know, it's, I'm going to make one thing every year. I don't care if it's a short film, if it's a TV pilot. You know, the one skill I have is um, I can make things look good for no money. Right. So, you know, if so, that's yeah. Where, yeah that one, where that one was uh, that was shoot me nicely. That was the Linda Hamilton. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. Will, William Sadler. William Sadler yeah, yeah. Comedy. That's awesome. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. So when you're when you're approaching a piece, we already talked about um how the practice sort of practical mind that you have in writing the piece, but when you're approaching directing and, and setting up the project as a director, as a filmmaker, um, are you one of these like super prepped, you know, shot list dudes and all that, or, or is it more <laughs> like, is it, is it more practical like the writing part of it where you're just sort of allowing whatever the thing is to inform how you're going to shoot that day or how you're going to shoot yep. that week? I mean, which way is it for you? Yeah, I mean, like I said, at first, I, man, I was so locked into what I wanted the actors to do and say and stand, blah, blah, blah. And um, now it's completely freeform. So much so, I mean, there's no shot list. The only thing we really do is we look at a ton of locations because the locations will inform a lot of, of the mood of the scene, of how much lights you need. Um, where the actors can move within the you know lighting um so we do a ton of that and then once we're on set like i will throw the script out i mean you just you you want to light the space and then you want to allow the actors to just create the most realistic version of that scene um so uh i learned early from Hesse where it's like you know don't don't really direct on set 
all the directing should be done in conversations before you're there. And then it's about all of you. It's kind of like a dance where it's like, well, if we want the camera to exist here somewhere, if you could kind of land in this area, and then if we move this mirror, and if we open the shade. And so it's really, it's like, organic and um jessica hecht um who i worked with on this last one who's in like a million projects terrific actress um she said she came in in the morning and was so pissed because she was like i can't believe i agreed to do the stupid thing right like she was like uh i drove in from manhattan i'm in the middle of nowhere in new york like an hour away and then she got on set and she was so invigorated by the way we were doing things and how much fun it was and how much you know, space we let her work in, she was like, man, I, I wish all things were like this. And I think a lot of TV actors appreciate that Absolutely. because it's TV is the worst. I mean, you can't do anything on set. Right. Yeah. Um, especially those procedurals. It's, it's a template and it's like, yeah. this is kind of how we do it here. Don't fuck it up. Just do this, you know? So yeah. do you think that, uh, do you think that that is, that's informed by the fact that by the budgetary, you know, place we're in, the strata we're standing in, that you operate that way? Or do you think you'd behave that way if you had, you know, your Titanic budget, your whatever, but like, like, do you, is it, yeah. it's just, it's more joyful for you to work that way? Or is it, or is it a function of limitation that you just kind of have to just do that? Yeah, I think it's, it's the type of movie, mm-hmm. right? So if it's, if it's a character driven thing, I think I, w- if I had unlimited money, I would I would do it the exact same way. Right. Um, there's no reason not to. I think the more the more chains you put on yourself by you know storyboarding and you know having a huge crew where they're department heads that have to you know every change you gotta sign off on and you know it's it becomes more of a headache. Um, but if I were to do like a bigger budget piece where it's it's not character driven, I, I think that's when you really do have to plan shots, you know, in a a certain way. So, right. Right. So did you, did you, you didn't do any theater, right? You didn't come from the theater. theater. I mean, high school theater, not, yeah, yeah. yeah, That's a real, that's a real actor. That's the actor's medium. That's the actor's place, you know, and the way you're, the way you're setting up your set is like that. It's, it's, oh, it's, I never, I never thought about that. You're totally right. Yeah, yeah. It's more, it's almost live theater with a sort of a, and that's, that's, uh, I appreciate those sort of generally lit where everything's kind of lit. We're not going to, mm-hmm. we're not going to, we're going to act within this environment and we're going to light the space rather than light the shot. It just, it's right. much more actor friendly and, 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 uh, and helps serve the, 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 the truthfulness of the piece. You know, you can kind of move around, especially with the digital stuff now. What do you, what, Let's, this is a fun one. What did you start shooting on, and what are the kind of things you're working with now, as far as technical gear? Oh man, God! Remember, I was I I've been wanting to talk to you about this because, I mean, when we first did Crimson Mask, we had to literally strap on cinema lenses onto those big um, old Beta cams. I don't know if you remember. Oh no, it's DVHC or what? Right, what right. Whatever it was, um, and so you got. Uh, small sensors. You had no light. I think the um, I, we had a shoot. It was ISO two hundred. So it was like you just had to like flood the rooms with light. Um, and we missed out, man, because like 
two years later, after we did our struggles in our first um, things, the uh, Canon 5D, uh, whatever, Mark II came right, out, right. and then the GH4 and the GH5 came out. Right. And, I mean, now, I mean, the, on this l- last one, we shot with the Canon C200 um, in RAW, and we used autofocus, so we didn't even have a focus puller. Like, I mean, it was it was magic. I it's, mean, it was great. It's incredible. You know what? Yeah, I mean, what you're talking about is for for the folks laymen out there. It was um, the early digital stuff. It was all uh, it was all on tape, and it was all standard definition kind of stuff. And yeah. uh, you, you used to have to get these adapters that would go on the fixed lens on the camera that you, <laughs> that you then put on top of that. You'd put some old still photography lens to get the depth of field you were looking for and i remember the big one for me was 2003 when uh the panasonic dvx 100 came out and it was the first magic it was the first camera (laughs) that shot 24 frames a second in video yeah yeah wow it looks like a movie you know it was uh, amazing how far we've come yeah, now we're like analyzing how many stops of uh, dynamic yeah, range, right? right. And, and, and if there's, you know, 13 instead of 14, it's like, oh, no, I'm not going to use that. That's like, right. Yeah, it's like, wait, yeah. did my highlights are blowing out at 14 stops. I, I got to get rid of this A7S or whatever the hell I'm shooting on. But that's yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And what it says now, I think, is that uh, you, you don't have any real excuse. Like exactly. the, the technology, I mean, you can make things look terrific if you know how to light things correctly and if you and it then becomes about the artistry and the story and the filmmaker um right what would you say um when you're writing a piece when you're like like we talked about the you start from a sort of outside in premise where it's like this is what i can do within this limitation let me have story kind of come out of that when that happens what are the is story important is what it's about what you're trying to say or are you kind of a plot guy where it's like oh this is a cool twist like what part of the writing process does story land for you yeah so so um i need a theme i need like something i want to say or i want to you know critique society or or a personal thing i'm going through or else there's no kind of magic there. Um, as far as when I'm writing, I, I try and write in, in a very simple way, which is um, each part can't be and then. It has to be but therefore. So, and I, and I find myself, if I just do that and, and I put someone in a place and it's like, well, they're doing this, but then this happens. Therefore, they need to go here the story writes itself if you have interesting characters in an interesting world. And I, if I surprise myself, I know I'm going to surprise the audience. And, and that's what's exciting is that not looking forward to an end you have pre-planned, mm. you come up with these dynamic stories because if you keep surprising yourself with the but therefore – no one's gonna know because you as a writer don't know so uh, all right so you're so you're when you're writing you're literally kind of going in continuity you're yes you're following along and, and those characters are kind of talking to you along the way and you're like oh that's where we're going okay yeah interesting <laughs> all right. have you, have and you- then I'm, i mean obviously then you need to go back and like once you find out what the ending is you then have to put all these breadcrumbs that you probably left out because you had no idea where you'd 
wind up. Right. So. You know what's interesting is uh, my experience, and 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 I've written a few things, and you know, and and directed a bunch of stuff, and that I've written, and it it, I'm kind of the other way. Like I usually have an ending, and then I have no idea how I got there. <laughs> so I'm like, well, I know I got to get there. So let's yeah. go. So it, so the the revelations are similar because I don't know how I got there, but I know that that's my, right. I know we're going here, and it's so. So you have you have a start point and and an end point. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, okay, yeah. For me, now that I'm thinking about the things I've worked on and written, it's usually it's going to end here. This is this is where we're going to this is where it's going to finish, and this is what I'm trying to say. This is what this is this story is going to say from here but right. then it's like well all right and i gotta work my way to get there i don't i gotta go back to the beginning and see how how this all lines yeah. up to get there so it's, the, the, yeah so it's like a similar thing though it is right oh yeah it is yeah. But it, yeah, yeah yeah it's it's like uh it's like a reverse surprise party it's like right <laughs> it's like you're at the place and everybody starts showing up and you're like what are you doing here oh it's a surprise party for you it's slowly people come to your party and all of a sudden you're like oh okay it's a, par it's a party for me i get it yeah um, it's it's like you know funny that, that you say that because a lot of my projects have um you know, uh, the narrative, like you find out the last scene first and then you go, oh, you know, in reverse. And I think a lot of that is because when I was a kid, my, my grandfather used to take us to the movie theaters, not knowing when the movies were going to start. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was like, all right, so I got you from three to four. All right. So we just show up there. And then if we liked it, we would stay and watch it again from the beginning. <laughs> And and it makes you see narrative, and I was like, oh wow, I, that's how they got there. That's you oh, know, wow. this so, is who this is. So you were doing so, yeah. you were doing Pulp Fiction before Pulp Fiction. <laughs> when I was six years old, right? Yeah, yeah. That's incredible. All right, so what um, what? Let's talk about some some specific interesting challenges and stuff. Like uh, let's took let's talk about this temper, which is the one that's set. It's a period piece, set in the Congo, <laughs> mm -hmm. and. And and by the way, Elias, no money. So ready, go. Um, what, yeah, yeah. That's, what's, yeah. How do you, as a filmmaker, approach these problems? I mean, that's a interesting. Like, where, what's your first step? You, I would imagine for me, it'd be like, well, location. I got to find something that right. looks where I got to go, and then I'll figure this out. Right. Take us through. That. Right. So so that's it. I mean. Um, I think that being in New York, we have the unique um, advantage of we do have a variety of things here, right? Like we do have a varied landscape. We have different looking buildings. Uh, you know, we have actual properties that were here from the like, you know, 1700s, 1800s. Um, and I, so as soon as I was able, and man, I saw so many locations and when you tell people you don't have any money, it's like, you know, click. <laughs> right. But luckily, um, LIU Post was uh, super nice. And uh, they have this home that's, you know, been there for year years and years. And, and because this was um, a grant-based project that was for science, you know, they were able to work uh, with us. But, okay. you, like, you know, per your question, I think I, I try and find the locations and then um, – and then I get my team and I need to see who connects with the story and I need to excite them enough where they're going to go that extra mile. And I think the, the main 
driver being a, a director is is not like you know it's telling people where to go and stand it's it's really like if you can inspire people to do their best work and then they in turn inspire you and then there's a possibility of doing something special so if if the story connects so i actually went back and i rewrote a script i got f- for it to inspire you know, enough good people, be it um, actors, uh, wardrobe, you know, um, production design. And and they really went all out, man. I mean, they, they uh, I mean, they really made this world feel real. So well, let's talk about this, because I think this is, a, I, I know you just peripherally, but I think this is a skill that you possess, because the people who I've come in contact, who've come in contact with you as a filmmaker and as a, as a producer of, of work, kind of this is the this is the vibe i get from you which is you can do that you you produce this sort of excitement around a project um talk about what your approach is with that you're let's say you got a draft of a script you got a pretty good idea of you're gonna you got a location and you're zeroing in on starting to put that team together how are you approaching an actor with that? What is the pitch? What is the, you say, oh man, Bill, Bill Sadler would be great for this. Or, you know, uh, 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 what's his name? Kind would be fantastic. What, like, what right. is the approach? How do you get that Elias kind of <laughs> exuberance? You know, about like, what's that about, man? Because I don't have that. So tell me how you do that. What's your approach to pitching? Uh, yeah, I think the most important thing is you got to be honest and, and just me in life. Um, you know, I try and be as honest as I can because like, you know, people smell, especially in this world, like, you know, people know those guys are full of shit and people who are not. And, and I'm honestly, I try and do this for the right reasons. I honestly try and treat people with respect. I honestly, listen to everybody on set and although i might not do what you suggest i let everybody know that i'm going to listen to it i'm going to consider it and the other part about being um, a good director i think is being like a filter for great ideas so you all throw things at me and i'm going to sift through those and and we'll choose a b and c like a lot of that is just like in personal preference but um i think i mean i i really want to be better at my craft and i think people like that when they're on my sets they have the freedom to try new things they have the freedom to do things they haven't ever done so that's i I don't know that's mix i think is how how it works but rich is someone who i was out at a broadway after show with and we were talking about how we both love Chinatown (laughs) and it was a long story and then I was like man he would be a pretty good private eye (laughs) and so I wrote this thing for him so Richard Kind yes yeah yeah. which by the way is something he would never get again it's like never get and he says it himself he's like I would never be a private eye like you know I don't I don't look like a private eye I don't sound like it but to me he definitely does he he's that kind of you know, seventies TV show, like, you know, private eye right. that I love like Mannix and, or, uh, or Columbo. Yeah. Yeah. Or like uh, Columbo or, um, uh, what's the name? Uh, Elliot Gould in the long goodbye, like right. that thing. Right. So, right. and he appreciated 
I knew what kind of private eye he should be, right. and so yeah. All right. You so know, plus it's like you know I I watch a lot of junk, and you know I have a lot of <laughs> that help, you a know, lot of ideas. Being a filmmaker, that that's a huge bonus if you can if you have, <laughs> right. if you have a library of just you know, non sequitur, uh, you know, uh, stuff in your head, it helps. So it's that personal sort of um, connection with the, with these performers and, and these team players that, that that sells them on the idea to say, hey, man, I know what you want to do. I can I can I can give something to you. You're not doing something for me. That's, that's kind of the trick. Right. And I'm also super appreciative. And, and I think if you're not, and you don't thank every single person, because these things tend to focus on the d- director and the writer and not the team of these things. And, and I try my hardest to say, hey, no, 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 it's not just me. It's There's a whole group of people here that made this magic happen. And part of the magic is getting the team together. So... You know, that's, so, uh, so let's talk about a practical sort of, you know, frame of a day on a set, you know, uh, a shooting day. What's that entail? You know, you already talked about a lot of how you let's take a, you know, one of these modest budget things where it's a small crew. It's a it's a simple lighting package. It's a simple camera package and a handful of actors, a couple of really good ones or whatever. And, and boom, you're ready to go. What's your day right. like? Like, how do you kind of decide to set up your day what is what things does it depend on like how do you work as an actual filmmaker on the day right well so that's an awesome question because i feel like um i also kind of work as like a first ad in a way where i mean i i really although i i like have one who's you know great i also know exactly how long things will take mm. um i know if we have multiple locations we need to plan for the time so um, you know, the, on the day of the shoot, it's, it's, it's stressful because we don't know exactly how long things are going to like, you know, take. So I show up first, it's me, the producer and my DP, and we just walk around the space and we, and we think what is the best place to put the camera, what, you know, what lighting is best. And I come up with what I think is the best staging. Then we bring in the actors and I say, hey, so like this is kind of what I'm thinking, um, but I want you guys to do what feels most natural and then let's see if we could blend that. So then they walk through it um, and a lot of times because you don't have a chance for rehearsal, there's a lot of rehearsal there too. And they start changing the dialogue and you start thinking, does it need to be in there or not? So before cameras roll, there's a lot of work that goes into it uh, because you really only have one, two or three takes, three takes most. Okay. All right. So so there's this sort of experimentation of the organic moment there with the actors. But even before that, when you're, like you said, when you're deciding, when you're doing that walkthrough, you're deciding based on light and, and how you want to stage it, what informs that? Is it sort of what's happening in the scene, the story? Um, is it an intimate thing? Is it a, is it a confrontational thing? Like, what, like do those things inform how you're going to use the space? Yeah, always. So, so the three rules are, is it a unique shot? Because you want to do, you want to try and get one thing that people maybe have not seen. Like in, in Hudson Falls, we have this like, you know, great shot, like 
through a warehouse door, but there's a truck and there's a uh, mirror. But we, we also say, how can we tell the story in the frame? Because mm. the more you could linger on a frame and if the frame tells a story, you know, the, the better that is. Um, but again, if the actors decide to move out or, or, or it's not working, you have to throw all that away and, and always go, whether it's uh, staging, whether it's dialogue, whether it's editing, always go for the performance. I, and I've seen it happen a million times where in the editing, amazing performances fail mm. because the editor does it the right way and doesn't watch it and, and, and find the emotional truth of what the actor is trying to do and the connection with the other performers and edit that way. Wow, and, and I think that that's a strength I, I kind of have too. So. Well, that's a, it's not only a strength, but it's unique in, especially in filmmaking because that's a real actor centric view uh, of, yeah. of how to do things when you're, when you're setting up a day and you're setting and you got a crew and lights and a location and you go, you know what, based on what they're doing, we're, we're tossing that shit. We're going right. to, you know, we're going to go with this. That's, that's highly unusual for the filmmaking world, which as an actor is a fucking thrill because you know, you have yeah, yeah. like, again, you should have done a lot more theater because that's the place you, you know, where all this stuff really normally happens. Um, so uh as a can i can i ask with you though um you, you know i've seen you in so many great projects and and i feel you know what what attracts you to a project is it the character is it story is it potential for success like like when you read it like what's your initial thing <laughs> this is such a funny question because my question i think uh, i think christopher walken said this best which is whatever's next is what attracts me to you know do you want me to, you want me in it i'll do it fine <laughs> sure, and, sure, yeah. and at this point at this point you know it's been so long since anybody's asked me to fucking do anything so it's like whatever's next fine i'm a psycho uh, i'm i'm jesus it doesn't matter whichever you want me to play i'm in yeah but the truth is if i had that sort of luxury where i, I could read things and decide and, and pick my projects and, and and have that kind of career um and when I'm directing something as well, it's always story. It's always um, uh, what is it about? What are you trying to say? What is the what's the the theme or the the through line? But I call it the story. What is it, what's underneath the text? Um, right. Plot and and all that stuff has never really been the turn on for me. If it's cool twisty plots and crazy characters, that's great. But what what are you saying? What what are we trying to say here? And then as far right. as individual characters, um, I mean, I've played a lot of uh, uh, villains and 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 psychopaths and crazy people. <laughs> um, and in the theater, I got to do a lot of great classic uh, parts and plays and things. But I think it's always there's always what attracts me is I tend to find characters that have that are that had a chance to be good had a chance at some greatness in them and some flaw some thing broke that path and this is the, there's a shot of redemption by the end of that story for them there's a shot of maybe coming back to that moment where they could have been and maybe yeah. that's based on just personal life vibe but i mean that's always those are always the characters that turn me it's they were on a trajectory that they could have gone up 
Instead, they went sideways, things got shitty, and now we find them at a place in this story where they might have a chance to just touch that at the end. I like characters yeah. like that. Some redemptive, yeah, I love that. hopeful yeah. thing. Those always yeah, and, and I've see, seen that in your work. You you really you know shine in those mo- moments. I saw a short film you did with uh, Deborah Markowitz um, about the two brothers. Right, right, right. Yeah, uh, bye bye. And uh, well, yeah, yeah. Bye-bye. And uh, there was there was this line, and I, I'm sorry, I don't rem- remember it, but I remember it was it was such an honest, real moment. It was like you're saying it's either something or nothing, or I don't right, right. I don't remember what it was, but. You know, that, that, you yeah, know, I think it was, I, uh, I know the one you're talking about, cause that was the one okay. line in that script that I, I really hooked into, which was, it was like the, the brother asked me, there was a whole backstory of all kinds of awful shit. And the brother yeah. asked the other brother, the one brother asked me what happened. And I think it was like nothing and everything. Right. Yes. Uh, the, know, that was it. And yeah. It was like, yeah, like my whole life happened and you blew it. You missed that kind of an idea, which, yeah. which is, which is exactly what I'm talking about. It's that moment where it's like, ah, things could have been different, you know? Right. But, but isn't that the magic of the actor? Because I mean, just think about those two words, meaningless, right? You read it on the script. All right. Like, you know, but you get an actor to bring life and emotion and what that means and it's magic. And like that for me, when I could be involved in that in in capturing that moment in any way, I mean, that, that is why I wake up every morning. So that's what we do. I mean, we're we're here to tell the truth and, uh, and it's, you know, for people who don't, I think people get lost. Sometimes they forget, you know, exactly what it is that, the folks in our business do you know it's it's sort of like i saw obviously during the pandemic there was a everybody's got their memes you know memes fly around <laughs> on the internet and you know i'd see these split screen memes where it was like you know uh, uh a picture of nurses and firemen and whatever and it's like these are the people that count and then on the other split screen it was like all the television and actors and, what, and these people don't kind of a thing you know like these are the these are the <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 look, yeah we understand what the real heroes in the world are. There's no question about that. But at the same time, when you're in your house and you're trapped in your house, what are you, what are you looking at? Where are you, right. where are you finding solace? Where are you finding your entertainment? Where are you finding a mirror held up to your world? That's what, that's what we do. We provide yep. this sort of safe space to experience things that if you had to experience them, in the world would be deadly for you. You know, we, we give you this place where you can live a truthful existence in a safe environment and, and kind of reflect on the humanity of it, you know, see yourself in the picture and that's a sacred right. job. That's an important job. So yeah. when actors do that truthfully, it's pretty neat. Yeah. And, and um, I mean, I have so many friends who, who are in this world and, you know, it's really hard. It's such a hard life, isn't it? Because like, you know, you could be an amazing actor and, you know, not be in the right room at the right time. And and I've seen so many, I mean, amazing actors who I, I'm like, why are they not on, you know, TV every day? Right. And, you know, they've been like the, the guy or the girl who just didn't get that huge role. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's a hard life. And, um, you know, I've seen a lot of actors like, you know, struggle emotionally. I mean, just being an independent 
creator in film or it, it's a roller coaster man i mean you know you're at some film festival and you know you're like you know the hot shit and then monday it's like happy monday no one gives a fuck right, like you know exactly well uh, you understand this as well as i do i mean i that's i've spent you know 30 years of my life to finally come around to let go of um, a lot of the stuff that I finally could let go of because I had that clock in my head, you know, by this age, you know, Pacino mm -hmm. had this by this one. And, I, and I'm going to be and, and knowing what you could do is is a is a curse because you're like, I know I can hit 300 in this league. There's no question I can hit 350 in this league. I've acted with yeah. that guy. I know I can hit 400 and yeah. I'm just not getting it. And it took a long time to let go of that sort of bitterness and just sort of enjoy what it is I do do when I do it and, and all that stuff. But it, 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 it can fuck with you, you know? It can. Yeah. Yeah. Plus like, you know, they, I mean, I'm not sure your experience, but I know my experience is I'm a really independent outside the world. Like, you know, I, I have my family, like, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't like to exist in that world a lot. Right. And I feel like they don't like it. Like, you know, people in Hollywood and the industry don't dig that you're not fully in. I mean, have have you you know absolutely seen that or experienced that? I think so. I think so. And I think what happens too is when you give off that vibe, when you give off that sort of like I don't give a shit vibe, I'm doing my own thing, <laughs> and then you're good and you do well. You think, well, then they're going to want to have you on board, and it's the right. exact opposite. It's like, right. so yep. we don't want this guy on set. We don't want, yeah. you know, why would I want, he's, he's good. What do we want him for? He's going to fuck everything up. You know, we want yeah, yeah, yeah. to be sort of the kind of kings of this little pond and everybody's got their little pond. So if you're sort of good and independent, that's going to be your lot. You're going to be good and independent and, and they're not going to want, everybody's got their own little fiefdom, you know, their own little kid. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not going to want it's you. It's a, it's a system. And, and I'm, I'm really finding it more and more in TV mm. where man, that, that development system, like the fact that there's a whole slew of us making these independent TV shows that, you know, a lot of them are pretty watchable. Like, you know, we, we did a pretty good job and, um, you know, they, they should be serious, but because there's so many people in the development system, uh, they, they just do not want to allow you to just come in with a show because right. it would kind of take away what they're bringing to the table. Right. And like, I'm not saying I'm not knocking it because they produce amazing shows. I mean, I watch, you know, that, that system works. Yeah. That, doesn't mean it should shut everybody else out and and voices that would normally not be in the system and so well do you think you know? uh, do you think now because of i mean this is really the golden age of television as it were as it's not real classic television it's streaming right. and everything but the number of outlets yeah. from amazon to netflix to hulu to every original branch of every other I mean, there's so many places to produce that are that need content. Is this a right. great time to be in it? Uh, it's 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 it is and it's not. It's not because unlike independent film, like in the '90s, where it was there, there was a way to get it out there, right? Like there was a way to get it on screens, and then um, you know, Miramax, you know, came along and all that. There's not the Miramax of TV yet, hmm. where like you know, and even so much as like a TV 
festival, there's really only two or three. There's a series fest in uh, Denver. There's the North Fork TV that I'm, you know, work on in Long Island. Um, there's Catalyst. And then a lot of festivals have their own little TV section. But there's there's not there's not a champion of this medium where it's like you shoot a pilot. You, they like it. They like the actors in it. They like what you did. And they'll give you money to shoot six more. Mm. There's either you need to shoot all six episodes right. of the series and then you could go to MIPCOM, which is in Cannes or these kind of TV markets and sell it. Um, there's one in Miami too. Um, a, or you just come up with an idea and a pitch and you give it to the development team and they like the idea and they like you and then they develop it. So what I'm trying to do with a bunch of different people is say, um, you know, can we create an independent TV um, like a pipeline into the, you know, Hollywood land. But um, so far it's been very difficult. Yeah. I was going to say that that's a, that's like, that's a tough road to kind of push against. Did you think about doing, you know, where you produce the whole show a season? And so yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we have gotten offers uh, to do um, Hudson Falls, but I mean, like, you know, they, they want to do it the same way we did the first one. And it's, and it's hard to get people. It's easy to get good people to work for three or four days or five days, you, you know, as the friend rate, but you ask someone to take, you know, two months or, or a month out of their normal schedule, you know, they got families, they have a lifestyle they're accustomed to. Right. Uh, you need, you need more money to take up someone's time for that long. Right. So now as a, as this is, this is a question I ask all independent filmmakers cause it's always, and I had a great um, show uh, podcast a few weeks back, uh, with a couple other filmmakers about film financing, uh, in in specifically how they do it, how they you know s you know nuts to bolts. What's your thing? Is it is it like all the rest of us, where you're just sort of creating a list of possible angels who can, yeah. who wants to get involved? And and I mean, how do you go about finding the funds to do this kind of stuff? So I mean, I've been super lucky re re recently because I've gotten a lot of grant work from my uh previous work so that that now, let helps me, a lot let me stop you right there yeah. uh, before sure. we even go on this is a an arduous process am i wrong like it's a lot of paperwork it's it's weeks of well work. so so I, I didn't yeah so for the, the person who got the grant yes it is yeah. a very arduous process <laughs> right. so you know when they but you know they they came to me and they're like, so we got this amount of money okay. and, you know, no one wants to do it for this amount of money, but we know that you will. So it's that sort of thing. <laughs> that's fine. I'll take that yeah. deal over having to do all that shit for the fucking grant. That's, that's those. Right. Things. All right. So, oh my God. Yeah. yeah it's a lot. It's yeah. So crazy. Yeah. Although, uh, if, if anyone wants, I think the, um, the lady who did the grant work, uh, is that like New York state grants? Her name is Anne. We could link to the thing. I mean, sure. she's, she's really great. She uh, she can help you out, and there are a lot of grants, but you need to be very specific. And I don't know. It also seems like if you have the right connections, also. But I I don't know that world, you know, right, too right. well. So what is your world yeah. then? What is it? If you took that away, what is your? How do you do it? It's it's about it's not really about finding angels. Where it's like like I have friends who. They go to Miami, they find some old rich guy who wants to make a, you know, dumb movie. And they're like, oh, yeah, sure. Um, for me, it's about finding honest partners, like, you know, people who believe in what I do, the way I do it and want to be involved um, 
you know, in, in more than just like, here, here's a check. And I'm always upfront and I'm like, Hey, listen, like, you know, the chances of you making money on a TV pilot are very slim, but I'll tell you what I will do. I will give you a product that looks like a normal TV show for a micro fraction of that. And the experience of being on set and the connections you make and you will come out of this a much more fun, interesting, cool person. Cause I know I do like after every show, I'm like, I'm much better than, than, than I was like as, as a person, as a director. Um, so for me, it's really like a human experience. Um, yeah, you know, this what we sell most of the time for people to get involved. It's like, you know, for people with quote disposable income, it's like either you're going to buy, you know, that midlife car or you're going to yep. buy your second boat that year, or you always wanted to go to Cannes, or you always wanted to go to Sundance, or you always wanted to be yep. a movie producer, you, you're most likely not going to make that back. You might make back something on a tax credit or something. But sure. you're in it for the the trip, man. It's yeah. a trip. Yeah, you're gonna, yeah you're, going to have a, you're going to be a movie producer, and you're going to get to talk to all these people and these actors and whatever, and that's kind of the sell. Right, right. That's it. But I will say I have... Um, had partners on board. I know you've been involved with a lot of these guys who, I don't know if we can name names, but there's like a lot of people that, I mean, are you don't want to work with. Like they will yeah. say, I will give you money. And yes. you, you're like, I will never take your money like ever. And I have some people who <laughs> even weaseled their way onto my films, you know, titles because they helped and, you know, but um, you know, who, who's a really bad one that we've both had the experience with and i'm just gonna say it. this guy who runs or used to run the man uh strange dude strange dude um you know he's a guy who i i just he's everything i hate about this world like you know he likes to take advantage of people he he thinks he um is you know a little more than he is you know like i re- remember going when we went he had three films that he produced and directed and they were like the headlining things. And it was like from the genius, brilliant mind of, you know, and it's like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> well, you yeah, know what? So. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of PT Barnum's and, uh, and self yeah. self created characters out there in this world. And, and you know what, uh, uh, guys like that, you know, it's more power to you, pal. Just, just don't just don't come onto my boat and and uh you know what i mean do your thing yeah yeah yeah, do your yeah. Thing and, and don't don't come over here just it's all good yeah <laughs> but i mean don't you feel like there's a lot of these you know and i don't mean he's he's honestly a nice guy right like i'm, I'm not trying I to don't, talk i don't shit, know but... him all that well but i, yeah, I, I yeah, just yeah. know that uh, i i remember he sent me a script for something he was doing and and i was like no i can't do that it was you know it was yeah it was meatloaf it was like I, i'll do anything for love man but i'm not doing that whatever that is I'm i think kidding. he does like these like really insane right wing things too like i mean yeah, I, just, I don't have any problem with that but i mean you know it's just they seem like strange characters out there man strange characters yeah 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 so anyway i anyone who likes to take advantage though of people um like us like you know actual creators though i just have a real problem with, I'm, so. I'm totally with you there and yeah. and like i said like we said before what tends to happen is you know we can do the job i mean you know right. that the job is going to get done is going to get done well and i think there creeps in some jealousy too there i think people just don't want to be around they don't want you around 
because you just yeah. you're actually kind of good and we don't need that and i think that's part of, that's out there a lot too and uh, yeah i think that's held back a lot yeah the, the do you ever get this because i mean you've done a lot of projects um oh and i wanted to talk about your uh vampire film also but oh, wow. you've done a lot of uh projects and do you ever get that kind of like uh, negative jealousy thing from other filmmakers or like, you know, they're like nice, but it's, it's like a negative vibe. I mean, you never, it's, it's, it's very LA, you know, it's very uh, passive aggressive, you know, people, <laughs> people praise you right out front. But, but I think that the, like I said, the truth, the, uh, the truth, the proof is in the pudding, which is, um, if, if they thought you were so fantastic, you'd be working, they'd be asking you to do things in their things all the time. And, and I've discovered that that's never happened, <laughs> at least for me. Nobody, nobody's calling me up and it's like, gee, I don't, I don't know what that's about. And so I don't know what that's about. It's possible. I think there is some, uh, like I said, because of the way the price point of the technology and because every, yeah. everybody's a filmmaker now and everybody's a, whatever, yeah. everybody's got sort of their own little kingdom. So, right they're just going to exist in that where they're the king of that kingdom. And regardless of what the talent is on the outside, they might not want to get it involved in their right. space. So I, th I think that's what I've run into more than anything. It's, that's interesting. It's not so much negative. It's more like he's going to overshadow this project or he's going to do this or that. And let's just, I think that's my guess. You know, I don't know. Who have you, who have you loved to work? Like who have you worked with that you feel really taps into your full potential like where it's like oh like oh well there's no quite i mean you know the guy we talked about before my buddy dan brennan uh i know that guy for you know 30 years and we started in dinner theater together we did dinner theater together and uh oh, wow. and we kind of he's one of those people he's always he's with he's the only one i think i've ever had in my life that wrote things the way you wrote for Clohesse or Sadler or one of these guys, he wrote things for me where he'd say, right. this is how I see you. And he's also the only guy who ever saw me as the hero. I was always the tough guy, the hero, the Indiana Jones, the, the, you know, I was the guy. And, yeah. Uh, I, and, and he always wrote things for me that way. So if anybody I ever worked with, it was always going to be Dan who wrote, you know, yeah. parts and characters for me that fit what he how he pictured me you know and yeah yeah I tried to live up to it but yeah i mean video guys was i mean it's <laughs> such a great movie i mean it's really like even now i think i cannot believe that someone didn't try and remake that or like you know like with you, you know you guys at at a higher level right. you do a lot of these uh, weddings mostly take a big breath oh yeah Bride's ex-boyfriend is out in front of the church with a baseball bat is that it is that it that's all i could see is the bat yeah, with a baseball bat needs a baseball bat. I'm not afraid of that. Mommy! Mommy is talking to a man. You like kids? No, I don't. I'm also the only kid in my grade who drives a car. And that's because I got my license suspended. I don't know if you both have to be here. Which one of you is the cameraman? That'd be me. I mean, it was it was that good. The the writing, the acting, the locations, the spirit of it. Right. Him and his kid, right? Like those scenes were great. Right. You know what's funny about those two girls, his two girls, the one's an actor in, in Los Angeles now, a young actress out there, and the other one who was kind of the the star kid, she's yeah. a writer. 
She's like, oh, wow. Old. She's writing in Hollywood. She's a screenwriter out there now. And Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, so yeah. we're all grown up and, and doing all. But Dan's a brilliant writer. I mean, always yeah. was very funny, incredibly quick wit, incredibly funny guy. And and the way we worked together was always interesting because Dan, the way his brain process was so fast, so much faster than mine, that like scenarios and stories and things would just fly out. And my job was always what's the story? And I kind of have to pull all these things together and, <laughs> and thread it and be like, this is, I think what we're talking about. And he'd be like, but this is a great idea, but that's a great idea. So he had this uh, incredible energy about him. Um, and then that's how we worked together. I would always kind of hone it into a story and he would have these incredible scenes and write his dialogue and all that stuff. It was great. And video guy specifically, I don't know if he's still doing it. I haven't talked to him in a while, but he was going to, that's a perfect TV series. Oh, totally. Because totally. What a sitcom. You, what a great sitcom. You could break yeah. that up into environments and things. So Brilliant, yeah. I don't yeah. know if he's working with anybody on that, but he was talking about doing that as the way you're doing, like creating a, ser a pilot for a series for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So whatever happened, I know he, he did that one. Mm -hmm. He did... Um, that like spy thing, yeah, he did, right? Like, Maggie, Mrs. Something or Maggie Marvel, which was like the uh, Maggie Marvel, the mother and daughter kind of spy thing that he did, yeah, right. And then he did another movie that I never saw. Did it ever, you know, come out? It was no. I, I he started producing something uh, else, and then and then we just did you know little things here and there. We did we did a short film last year together. Finally, we had we hadn't done anything in a while, so we did that. The, uh, the taxi crash, Jesus one, Jesus one. Yeah, I love that man. I mean, like just seeing you guys together is 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 so great. We'll yeah. talk about what we talked about before, which was uh, you just get tired of not doing something. Yeah, that was literally the two of us and and our buddy Sean, and we just went. Let's just go fucking shoot this, you know. Oh really? Yeah. No way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, and Dan wrote it in you know a heartbeat, and as he always does, and uh, and we just went yeah. out and did it because it was like I'm tired of just not doing anything, and that yeah. was what we did last year, right before right before the pandemic, it we finished shooting that. So. Yeah, oh wow! I haven't talked to him in a long time, but um, but yeah, hopefully he's working on something because he's a brilliant writer. Yep. Yep. Brilliant writer. Yeah. Sorry to go off, you know, a no, tangent, but yeah, nobody, we, we don't get a chance to like, you know, chat. So, nobody's yeah. ever asked me, uh, <laughs> but yeah, he's the only one who ever really cast me and wrote for me. Everybody else is sort of, I mean, I've gotten great things, but usually I end up having to mold them. You know, those Fred Carpenter right. movies, I kind of created those yeah. characters out of little bits of things, you know. Um, right, and and you you work with Chloe on that one, right? Night never sleeps. Yeah, on that. Night never sleeps and send no flowers. I think I didn't work. I was. Oh, that's I was, oh, that's right. Yeah, I was in the one scene with him in Night Never Sleeps, and then send no flowers. We worked on it. To, we were in the movie, but I never saw him. He was in a different scene than me. That was the Sean Young one. The Sean Young one, right? Yeah, who who I worked with, with also. What was what was your experience like? Because I had an unusually great experience with her. Like I mean, like if people. I was like, why do people say all these things? I mean, she was, you know, she showed up. She was great. She was fun, you know. Yeah, no, Sean, Sean was great. I mean, uh, I'll tell you the interesting thing. She was terrific with me. In fact, we became uh, kind of buddies there. She had come to my house after that and barbecues and stuff. And so she, she became kind of a, a friend of mine. And we had a good time on that picture. Between you and me, we both know who killed my father. And you will pay for it. You got some balls. I'll give you that. <laughs> Unlike your father, I'm not a patient man. I don't believe in threats, but I'm gonna promise you that as soon as we're done with your beautiful baby sister, we're gonna start on you. And 
I was actually cutting that picture too. I was, I was, I had the part. In it, oh, I, no I also, way. Okay. I also produced and edited the picture. Mm -hmm. And as happens in a lot of these pictures, especially ones like that, uh, some of the Fred pictures is the plot and the stuff is kind of loose. So as I was cutting it, um, and I didn't know Sean, I had just done one scene with her and I didn't know her from hole in the wall other than the scene that right. I had done probably two weeks before. And I was cutting this thing and I said, boy, to make this make sense, there's a scene that's never written here and it, it needs this transition of her doing certain, and I literally got called her up and she, at the time she lived in Rye up in Rye and I said listen right. we just did the scene together I'm cutting this thing you remember and oh yeah I remember you blah, blah. I said what if I drove up there with my camera just me and you and I just need you to do a couple of things look at a picture do that you know a couple of things that will help yeah, you yeah, yeah. It. and she was like come on over she was oh that's awesome she was fantastic. yeah I mean she was really really lovely person um uh I had a great experience with Sean Young I had no problem with her at all yeah, I think, I mean, she is a film icon. What like, I mean, one, like, you know, you, what was the one you did? So we, we did Man from the City. It was uh, Clohessy and her. It was a short film. Um, actually, that was the the one I did as soon as that other Madsen thing, you know, right. went away. I just jumped in there. Um, and she was so great. And uh, we become friends, you know, too. But she is a film icon, like, you know, in like Blade Runner and even in the, the new one. I mean... Yeah. She's an amazing actress. Um, you know, I, I just I did, hope she works more. I yeah. did one of these with her five years ago, one of these interviews like this. It was a great, oh, oh, wow. was a great interview. Uh, yeah. just, uh, I, I haven't put it uh, back out for a while because uh, some of the visuals aren't quite uh, up to my standard. Maybe I'll just put it as a podcast. But it was a great interview, and she, I mean, no way out. Just yeah, Gina, I mean, I mean, largest, yeah, she yeah. Was, Ace uh, Ventura. <laughs> she was A-list there for a long time. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Awesome. All right, so so dude, what what's uh I mean, are you consumed with what's going on right now with these two projects or what's going are you working you think about anything else? What's going on? Yeah, I mean, it is it is hard now, honestly, because um I feel like me and and a lot of others uh are in a spot where you know, it's like do you do an independent feature? You know, that that world is like not great. You know, the independent pilot is not great. So it's, I mean, the only thing that's kind of going big time now is like, you know, YouTube things. But I mean, that's that's not exactly the type of work I will want to do, right. nor do I really want to get involved in Hollywood. So, right. you know, it's an interesting spot now. Um, you know, I think I'm, I'm just going to wait until I get inspired by well, something you, new. I'll tell you what we should do, me and you. We yeah. should go out and just scout locations and see what... <laughs> You and you just turned to me and go, you know, it'd be great. I could do something with that, with that tree right there where you're under a tree and then you're done and you'd be writing. Yeah, no, but that is it. Like, you know, I do, I, I try and uh, that's actually great advice and like m maybe a way to, you know, uh, wrap it up if you're, you know, sick of me. But so is um, you actors and directors and writers should spend time together in normal human settings and, you have to experience life. You have to be in traffic. You got to get mad. You need to be. And, and I think maybe being inside for so long with COVID, you know, is hard for a lot of creators because the way you get inspired is by just living life. And, and, you know, that leads you to a story. Right. So I'll tell you the one um, thing we don't want to do is if I see another zoom, uh, <laughs> play or zoom movie, I can't. Oh my God goodness oh my goodness i mean you know i get 
I, I get, I appreciate, and I understand why people do it, but I would never do that in a bajillion years. <laughs> I mean, like it, it takes, it takes away all the superpowers, right? Everyone's exactly. superpowers and they just, in these weird boxes. And I haven't seen anyone do it where they use the technology to their advantage either. It's like yeah. to their disadvantage. Right. So <laughs> Somebody was telling me there's one I missed. I got to go back where it was like almost like a paranormal activity kind of vibe, but on like oh, interesting. everybody in the zoom box, things were going on behind them and shit. I was like, well, that's clever. Okay. At least that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it. But other yeah. than that, I want to get out and see real people again and actually talk and yeah. interact with real people. So let's make yeah. a promise. I'll go see you at some point. We'll, we'll actually have a awesome man, a human conversation. I would love it. I felt, dude, I felt like this was really honest and like, you know, intimate. And uh, so like, you know, thanks. Cause like these, like, you know, zoom things are sometimes weird. So yeah, no, no, I much prefer uh, in person, but these, this works out fine. So last little thing before I let you go, where does everybody find all your stuff? Give me all the links one more time. I'll pop them all up. Oh, great. So um, all my things are listed at my long Greek name, Elias Plagianos. I don't know if you could put that I'll up. .com. Um, yeah, for info on Hudson Falls, go to um, HudsonFalls.tv. Distemper, uh, I guess they never got around to making a website for it. But if you just search Distemper TV show, you know, a million things, you know, jump on it. And that one has a great uh cast also it has um abigail hawk from blue bloods it is tara westwood from the grudge chikeo Konko from um the birth of a nation and he's on a new nbc show now so yeah it's a great show and we hope you join us at the uh, queen's drive-in because it'll be a lot of fun and that's on the 30th of april april 30th april yeah. 30th awesome well elias man it has been a blast i'm finally got to talk to you after you know uh, 15 years of uh circling yeah, around each other. it's uh, it's pretty cool um I, so much fun dude i love all the stuff you do and i love the way you do it that's my favorite part is is how uh, you, thank how you, you man. do your work and uh, it's a constant inspiration so thanks for doing this with me thank you brother cheers i i went through, through a whole one so <laughs> awesome <laughs>